Corey Fields stepping up was always going to be important for South Carolina State's success, and it sounds like he's doing just that. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives starts with the nest ends with the nest today's episode is brought to you by linkedin jobs so these days every new hire has the potential to feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. We're going to wrap up today's episode with, honestly, one of the coolest stories that I've heard in a long time. Before that, we're going to dive in and talk about the Buck Buchanan Award watch list, which features four HBCU players. And at the beginning of this whole episode, let's talk about Corey Fields, because stepping up was always going to be important for South Carolina State success. And it sounds like he's doing that throughout fall camp, specifically in the Bulldogs first scrimmage. Now, there's been a ton of pressure that has been placed upon Corey Fields going into 2023. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and and make it sound like, oh, I I always was saying he's going to do. No, I'm putting a lot of pressure on Corey Fields. Even the Corey Fields believers are likely putting a lot of pressure on Corey Fields because I understand that the the brand of football is a lot more physical in the MEAC, but when you have players like Richard, when you have players like Williams, at the quarterback position, you're going to need your quarterback to make plays. And simple and plain, I don't believe that Corey Fields was good last year. So you look at this fact right here. First off, I guess this isn't a fact, but this is an opinion of mine that I, I feel strongly about. Corey Fields was not good last year. I didn't think he was efficient. I didn't think he was he was consistent. He had some flashes, but overall, I just was not impressed. But he ended up getting hurt. Okay. It happens. Now he's coming back. I don't know how long. I believe it was a shoulder injury. I don't know how long that was affecting him before he finally shut it down for the year. Maybe that was the reason for some inaccuracies and things of that nature. But last year wasn't a good year for him. Last year, you had Shaq Davis. And Shaq Davis is the kind of player who, as a big target, not just as your number one, but as a big target in frame, he's the type of guy who can erase a lot of inaccuracies because he has a a wide catch radius. Also, just some 
some guys, whether it's a catch radius or not, they just, or excuse me, frame or not, their catch radius is big. Those type of players just erase mistakes. I don't know if they have that at South Carolina State this year. But A, it'll be on them to prove it, and we'll see if they do. But then B, you don't want to have it. You don't want big frame guys because they can kind of balance out your inaccuracies. You just want big frame guys because maybe they can box out defenders. That's why you want to have them, not to bail yourself out, just to give yourself more opportunities. So that's right there. This right here is why I think it's important because of those reasons. You don't want to have to depend on somebody to bail you out. So Corey Fields needs to be better. And I think everybody knows. I think Corey Fields knows that. I think Buddy Pugh knows that. I think I and you likely knows that. But I'll say this. Coach Pugh has made it sound like he's handling business. This is what Coach Hugh said about him. He said that Corey is the guy that puts the offense on track. It's a pleasure to have a grown-up in charge. We could talk about putting the offense on track. We could discuss the idea of, okay, he's stepping forward. But to have a grown-up in charge is one of the best compliments I think you can give a collegiate quarterback. Because, mind you, these kids are not that old. They're kids still, right? Like, I'm right there. Like, I, I'm not too far removed. Like, I understand what it feels like to be that age. I don't understand what it feels like to be a, a, a collegiate athlete at that age. But at the same time, the maturity level, to say there's a grown-up in charge, I think is a, a huge compliment to give somebody who is supposed to be the leader of your team. Now you look at um, offensive coordinator uh, McGuirk. I had to make sure I, I put the, the pronunciation in here because that's not what it looks like, but that's what it is. So McGuirk kind of said something a little bit similar. He said he had that it factor. Now, while you might be able to point to Fields being a fifth-year senior and being in the program for so long is the reason he feels like a grown-up in charge and the guy who can keep everybody on track because he has so much experience, I don't think that negates the compliment, but you might be able to point to that as a reason on why he's able to achieve these type of compliments from Pew. What McGuirk said has nothing to do with the amount of time he's been in there. There's players who retire and never have the it factor. So for him to say that Fields has that, I think it kind of goes together because he says he has the it factor and that people just follow him. And I think having a grown-up in charge, having an it factor, having people follow you, all those things come together and just form leadership in a strong leader at a position where I think leadership is imperative. I think you want to, you need to have a leader on each side of the ball. And I would prefer for that leader to be my quarterback on offense. On defense, I'm a little bit more flexible on what I really would like to be my leader of the team. Well, it could be a safety, it could be a linebacker, right? It could be a defensive end. I probably wanted to be a linebacker or a safety, to be honest, a little bit farther back. But I wouldn't mind. I really wouldn't mind at any of the three levels to have my leader of the defense. But on offense, I want it to be my quarterback. And you want him to have the it factor because outside of just being a leader, you want him to be a good player. First and foremost, that's what you want him to be, a good player. And it sounds like he's getting the offense together. It sounds like he's understanding the offense. They have a new style of offense. And it's supposed to, I believe, make him throw more. He looked good in the scrimmage. I think specifically, I heard a deep ball that looked on the money. I think it ended up being a touchdown. Corey Fields is going to need to be able to stream together those type of performances consistently throughout the year. And like I said earlier, you have quarterbacks like Williams. You have quarterbacks like Richard who are in the conference. I'm not saying that Fields needs to keep up with them. I'm just saying he needs to not slow things down. He needs to keep the offense flowing. 
because he has a guy on the other side that is actually a Buck Buchanan Award watch list member. And we'll dive into him and the other three HBCU players who made this list as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, and LinkedIn is the best place for all of my small business owners because you can post your job for free. Doesn't cost a thing out of your pocket. Post your job for free. Use the purple hashtag hiring frame, and you can touch the over 800 million people who use LinkedIn Jobs on a daily basis. No more sending through countless interviews of people who you know do not meet the requirements, do not meet the desires that you have at an employee. Let's go ahead and go to LinkedIn and you can find exactly what he or she has to offer before you even bring them in to talk to them. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. You can post your job for free. F-R-E-E free. At LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. I just said it three times. What are we waiting for? As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day for my everydayers out there. Tomorrow's episode. We'll be diving into one of the HBCU players who made the Walter Payton watch list and a player who didn't make the Walter Payton watch list. And that is for the best FCS player on the offensive side of the ball. But right now, we'll look at the four HBCU players who made the Buck Buchanan award watch list for the best defensive player in the FCS. Now, I don't want to bury the T's, right? Because I told you, Corey Fields has a teammate who is on this list. It's one of the reasons you just need to make sure you keep the offense flowing. I'm not asking you to take them to superhuman heights. I'm just saying keep them flowing because you have a guy like Patrick Godbolt who is on the other side and a player who I think is the most fascinating guy, HBCU-wise, who made this list. Because not not... I don't mean I don't mean to say any disrespect, right? But when you look at the season he had last year, it's not a Buck Buchanan Award season. But what it is, it's a good enough season for you to think that he's going to jump off now. And I think he set up with 11 and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks. That if you said Patrick Godbold is about to have a breakout season, it wouldn't be shocking. I know a lot of people think about Jablonski Green. He had a, I think he also had an injury. He's coming off of last year. Didn't have the best year. Um, overall, most of that was because of injury. He only played, I believe, four games, but not a lot. Hopefully, I didn't just get got by the athletic website again. But, but when you look at what Godbold has done, 11 and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks. Now, obviously, that's not going to get it done, but I think it speaks volumes on how stats perform and the, the voters who came up with this view him. They said, listen, 11 and a half, four and a half. That was the point from last year. I think we're looking towards double digit sacks this year. You have to, as a, as a defensive lineman, you're going to need double digit sacks. And I think they expect you to get double digit sacks if they have you on this watch list. Now, and if that happens, that'll be a very scary pass rush, especially if green comes back 
from injury and looks a little bit more like his 2021 self, then we're having a completely different conversation. The next player who made this was Khalil Baker. There's not much to say about Khalil Baker, but I don't want to just continue to skip over him because we discuss him enough. So I've done a full breakdown about Baker and Richard, so I don't feel the need to dive in completely to what their qualifications are. But this is no surprise because he was a Buck Buchanan Award finalist last year. Not somebody on the watch list. He was a finalist, one of the final, I think, 30 players. He didn't make it to the big three, but he's one of the final 30. And he's actually the only HBCU player to return from that. Aubrey Miller went to the draft. B.J. Davis, he transferred. So, you're of course, you're going to have Khalil Baker on here. And I think the other two are kind of not obvious, but I think you would guess them as well. If I told you, tell me the two swack defenders that you think are going to make it, and I'll give you five guesses. I'll give you four guesses. It's not that many people you're going to run through before you get to Sunday out of Anderson and Colton Adams, better known as Bubba, right? You're going to guess those two players relatively quickly. Some people might have guessed them one and two. That might have been the first and second person that you named, but I give you three, four attempts. They're likely going to be one of those three or four players that you named. You look at Sunday out of Anderson, preseason swag defensive player of the year, and edge defenders have the edge, no pun intended, in this award. Because at the end of the day, you look at it, pass rushers in the NFL have won every single defensive player of the year award aside from Stephon Gilmore like two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Aaron Donald being a defensive tackle is one of the, the biggest variations. Like, that's that's just the trend because sacks are the thing that voters care about more than anything else. This is the premier position on the defense. So, Sunday Anderson has the edge. Now, last year, the, lead, the leader in FCS sacks had 14 sacks. That ain't enough. That's why they didn't win it. I think it was a linebacker out of, was it Montana? Was it Montana? I don't know, but I think it was a, a off-ball linebacker who won it. But if you can get up 17 sacks, now you're talking. And Sunday out of Anderson has that potential. That's why he's a swag preseason defensive player of the year. Now, you go to Colton Adams, a guy that some people felt like should have been the swag defensive player of the year. And I'll tell you what, he'll be in the conversation. I do believe that, especially if he keeps up what he did last year, over 120 tackles on a season. And I know a lot of people think defensive backs when they think about Alabama State. I don't blame you. Three all-swipe players. Um, yeah, makes sense. Or at least on the Blue Bloods list, it was three all-swipe players. Can't remember how many made it on the all-swipe conference team by the, by the players. But on the Blue Bloods, our guy, friend of the show, he had three defensive backs out of Alabama State. Make it on his all-swag team, first and second team. So I understand why you would think defensive backs. But to me, Colton Adams is the face of Alabama State defense because he's just everywhere. He's a linebacker. He's the leader of the defense. I just think he is the face, in my opinion. And he's productive enough so that, yeah, you might think defensive back first as a group, but I think many people think Colton Adams first as an individual, and that's the difference. So expect him in the defensive player of the year category or, or conversation as well. But moving forward, I want to tell one of the coolest stories that I've heard in a long time, and this is Destiny Martin 
and her journey from a cheerleader to cheerleading coach in record time. Like I've never heard anything like this before. And it's just really cool to me. I would love to know if you find this just as interesting as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. And Destiny Martin's journey to being a head coach and cheerleading is honestly one of the coolest and most fascinating things that I've seen in a long time. It's one of the most interesting stories that I've seen in a long time. To me, this is extremely rare. To you, if it's not, drop more stories like this in the comments on Twitter, DM me at South Exclusives, and send me some articles of things that you find this interesting. I don't care if it's HBCU or not. I don't see stories like this often. That's not going to change my tagline if you do it, because this is still, to this point, of me recording at... Pull the curtain back. Monday, August 7th, 10, 18 p.m., at me recording at this time, this is the most rare story I've seen in a long, long time. But enough of the tease, enough of the, the trailer. Let's get into the actual movie. Let's get into the actual show. Because Destiny Martin is now the Elizabeth City State head cheerleading coach. Emphasis on head cheerleading coach because she's not just a part of that coaching staff. She is the leader of that coaching staff. And she's only 23 years old. I would be willing to bet that without even having to look up anything, do some research, I can I would put a lot of money on her being the youngest head coach in that school's history of any sport. 23. Think about that. 23. There's people in college right now at 23. There's going to be people she's coaching who are probably a year younger than her, maybe her peer. If they're a fifth year senior or something like that, like not even her peer, but like her actual age. She's going to be coaching a team of her peers, essentially. She'll be coaching a, a group of girls and guys who she very well could have been on the team with last year had she actually been at Elizabeth City State. But she was at Winston-Salem State last year. So she's just shifting within the conference, but she's going from being a, not a player, but a cheerleader to a coach. And she hasn't, she hasn't taken any time off. And I think that's one of the things that's the most interesting is that she's not just some 23-year-old prodigy who is like, man, she's been doing everything all around the country. We got to make sure we go get her. She was a cheerleader at Winston-Salem State last year. She did great things. She did great things, but it's the fact that just last year she was cheering. She's not even, she's not even half a year removed from doing this in college. You know, that's that's extremely rare because you look at the age and you look at the amount of athletes who go into coaching after their career is over. That's not a small number. It's probably a good amount of coaches or players who immediately go into coaching. But where does Martin stand out in this? Because most times, let's take football players. Most time you see a football player, his career is over, he's out of eligibility, and the next year he's on the coaching staff. That guy is an assistant. That is what he, he's an assistant. He's not even a coordinator. And he's for sure not the head coach. Are you kidding me? For sure not a head coach. 
but you look at him as an assistant starting towards the bottom of the ladder at his alma mater. Not just that, he's coming on into his alma mater where he already has comfort. He's coaching guys who he was playing with last year. He's coaching with coaches who have been coaching him for three, four years. There's a lot of comfort in that. Destiny Martin is not starting at the bottom of a ladder. She's not going to her alma mater where things are comfortable. She's going from being a cheerleader, an athlete at Winston-Salem State, to being the head cheerleading coach at Elizabeth City State. Now, once again, if this is something you've heard before, inform me. I, I don't have too much pride. Inform me because I haven't seen it. And listen, how do you get to this? A, you have to have a great mind. You know the amount of respect that you had to garner within the conference for a school to say, all right, she's done cheering. We want her to be our coach. That is that is that is something that I don't feel should be understated. The innovation that she's credited with, just trying to make sure that she's doing and, and, and progressing the right way in the stomp and shake community as far as cheerleading style. Clearly, she made an impression at one of those Elizabeth City State, Winston-Salem State games. Clearly, she did that. Because otherwise, how are you here? The other thing that she has done in her time is she was an ambassador for champions. Right? They had a campaign and she was an ambassador for it. So you have someone who is innovative in your style of cheer. Someone who has obvious skill and knowledge in cheerleading. Got to have that first and foremost. But then you also have somebody who has a little bit of experience with business. And you feel like both of those things can pair together. She was a part of the Winston-Salem State cheerleaders who were in the uh, Sierra music video last year. So you're looking at somebody who has certain connections likely. You're looking at somebody who has a certain level of acumen. You combine those two things together. You say, you know what? I don't care that she's 23. I don't care that she's still in school. I don't care that she just graduated and just finished being an actual cheerleader at Winston-Salem State. We want her to be our head coach. This is an unprecedented move, but it's one that's interesting. We bucking trends over here, and this is one that I'm very excited to talk about. Like I said, Destiny Martin's journey from a athlete, from a cheerleader at Winston-Salem State to being the head cheerleading coach at Elizabeth City State in a matter of months is one of the most rare, one of the coolest, one of the most fascinating stories that I've heard in a long time. And I hope to continue bringing you stories like this as long as you continue to make us your first listen of the day every day because I truly do appreciate that. And on tomorrow's episode, we'll be discussing a player who made the Walter Payton Award watch list and then also somebody who didn't. Was Jeremy Musa a snub? I wasn't sure if I was going to give you a tease, but I will. I'll give you the player who didn't make it. But then we'll get into the player who did make it as well. So you got to stay for that one. In the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.